12-sided stories is for mature audiences and often deals with topics that may be difficult for some listeners. Discretion is advised. Welcome to the Icy Mountains of Pluto, a story-heavy, rules-light, far-future Call of Cthulhu actual play. And now, your keeper, Wes Otis. Welcome to 12-Sided Stories, the Icy Mountains of Pluto. I have some wonderful players with us. Let's start with Michelle. Hey, I'm Michelle Otis, and I will be playing Julia Winston, a space marine. Hi, I'm Pooja, and I am going to be playing Varia, our science officer. Hello, hello, I am B, and I'm joining you playing Cactus Green, the medic. Welcome, this is our two-part Call of Cthulhu Far Future game. I'm going to give you some background to it real quick. Basically, about a thousand years ago or so, the world fell into chaos after climate change catastrophes rocked the world. The way that we fought this was we created a large amount of nanites and we sent those nanites into the atmosphere to stop these storms and horrible things from happening. But unfortunately, the nanites could not be controlled and they made the storms worse. This in turn pushed humanity underground. One of the shelters was called Delphi, an inverted pyramid that floated in a amber liquid that protected it. These giant nanite storms lasted for around 100 years until there was a group in Delphi that came out and was able to calm the nanites down. One of their group was named Echo, and Echo was able to basically bring all the nanites to them and became their parent, I'm gonna say, in a way. For the first couple of hundred years, humanity did really well, kind of being without technology. And then a dark age fell in because humanity is humanity. During this time, Echo became more nanite than human. Her body slowly decayed away and her mind became the consciousness of all of the nanites that lived in the amber of Delphi. Echo could see that humans were making the same mistakes they always did. So Echo decided to save humanity by becoming a savior machine. In doing so, the dark ages have ended and technology has been pushed far past what it ever was before. Everything is clean energy, everybody's happy. It looks a lot like the Star Trek Earth where everything is perfect and chrome and very nice, but there are some problems. Echo has 
bonded with humans through nanites to make sure that humans don't make the same mistakes they continually make. So if a human continues to make bad decisions, Echo will put themselves into action and basically correct the situation to make sure that humans continue to thrive and grow. It's not 1984 at all. <laughs> no, no vibes there. No vibes at all. Now, some great things have happened. Though humans have not contacted any aliens yet, they are very close to having a jump drive, and they are looking at Alpha Centauri as their first location they want to check out. They also have ships that can make it all the way out to the Kyber Belt. It used to take years and years, but now it can take a matter of a week or two, depending on your ship. So these great expansions have happened. And the further away from Earth you are, the less tyrannical things are. Yes, though Echo has placed themselves as this religious figure who is everywhere, Echo's influence seems to lessen the further away humanity gets from Earth. But it's still there because every human has a little bit of Echo living in them, making sure that all of Echo's children are looked after. Okay, so that brings me to all of you. Michelle, where did you say your character was from? Are you an Earther or no? Julia's an Earther. She was orphaned very young and kind of taken under the wing of the training mechanism for the military. All right, and B, where's Cactus from? Uh, yeah, Cactus is from Mars. So how would you describe Mars? Like it's still being colonized? Right now it's still being terraformed, but it does have families living on it. It's probably about 10 to 20 years away from being complete where they can take a bigger influx of people. One of the ways that Echo has controlled climate change is through regulating the birth rate of humanity. With the expansion into space and space stations, people are hoping that the restrictions on births will be lifted. The new age is coming where people can have children because Echo will need more people to explore the stars. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think Cactus might have been originally from Mars. And like, there's probably wonderful job opportunities for working in the terraforming industry. And the appeal of being able to have a larger family than just one child was really what kind of kept him there. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Varia. Uh, Varia comes from the Titan space station. Her family wasn't part of like more of an upper echelon. It was more of a maintenance systems repair kind of situation. So whereas most of her family has became like engineering and, and kind of tapped out at that level, the nanites realized that uh, Varia has a little bit more of a scientific bent, maybe just a, a touch like her potential lay elsewhere. So she was put into the science program and moved through to become an officer. And as she went, she noticed that despite, yeah, everybody lives like decently well, but Titan is artificially kept at a lower level of resources than would necessarily be ideal for the people living there. 
like when she first started out, she used some of her power to divert more resources to Titan rather than further exploration. And Echo didn't like it. Did that cause a ding on her, uh, you know, situation? It caused a ding on various status. So I feel like uh, Echo keeps like a little bit of an eye on her uh, when she is close enough to actively monitor. Right, which brings me to your ship. You guys are on the Dragon Fox. It's a smaller vessel, carries about 11 people. It is comfortable to a point. Suddenly the lights come on and Echo can be heard over the intercom. Attention crew, we are Echo. It is the dawn hour. Time to wake and fulfill your potential as part of a greater good. Eat your breakfast, read your mission objectives, and have a wonderful day. Remember, submission to something greater than yourself makes you powerful. And the other crewmates get up and begin their day. B, what is Cactus doing right now? I think Cactus would probably spend his time in the med bay, analyzing any blood samples that have been dropped off, looking at the cruise charts, making sure everybody is healthy. I imagine in this kind of future, I don't know what our bed situation is like, but I'm sure there's some kind of monitoring system so I can make sure everybody's vitals are okay. Like, oh, somebody's blood pressure's getting kind of high. I guess I gotta go tell Tony to lay off the whatever causes high blood pressure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pouring over digital documents to make sure the crew car kind of like up to par. Okay, you're pouring over all this information and you notice that Tilly, your navigation officer, seems to have a really high heart rate at this moment. Everyone else is in their normal workstations while she is in a break room where she is usually not. Do we have communicators or is it like a PA system? You guys have both communicators and a PA system. Also, it is a relatively small ship. I mean, if I could walk, that's also cool. I'm trying to imagine like, what space are we in right now? I'm getting like Expanse vibes, maybe. Yeah. You got like your small crew, you know everybody, you know them all by name, you know their family because you've just been on this mission or this spaceship together for so long. Yeah, the Rossi is pretty close to what you guys are on. Okay, perfect. Your bedrooms are actually just kind of cubes that you slide into. I'm going to say like a morgue situation kind of thing where the beds slide in and slide out, which is not disconcerting at all. Like a capsule hotel kind of situation? Like a capsule yes. hotel. Yeah. See, if you never grew up with morgues, though, then morgues aren't scary. Like, I've never had them. We don't have those on Mars. We just burn our people, probably. We just burn them. Yeah, probably. I think on Mars, though, it's just to get the soil to the right consistency for growth. They usually do a mulching situation kind of thing. You know, it is what it is. Well, if you really think about it, like, you would need to strip the bones. Like, it's really bone meal that they're after. So the rest of it is stripped down for, like, other uses. It's the bones that go directly into enriching the soil. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, Cactus, do you want to do a communicator or do you want to go and find them? I think I'd like to go and find Tilly. I want to go stretch my legs. I've been sitting at this desk for quite some time now and not a lot of room to move anyway, so it's nice when you can really get up and kind of like walk about. Okay, so you go into this little break room. She's sitting at the table and she's obviously been crying a little bit and she's breathing heavily. She's taking these big gulps of air and she's like, I'm sorry, I, I sure that I know that my, I'm just a little upset and I can't, can't really focus right now and I'm, I'm trying to calm down and I'm doing my breathing thing. And I, how are you? 
Uh, no, I, I'm good. I'm good. I just came to check up on you. Do you want me to make you a cup of tea? I think I could. I didn't have my coffee this morning. I'm sure we could ration uh, an extra tea bag. Uh, what, what can I do to help? That would that would be wonderful. I'd I'd, I'd appreciate that. I don't. <sighs> she throws this electronic paper, the almost clear displays. She throws that across the table and she goes, I've applied four times to have a child and they keep saying no. And I've done everything I can to make them happy. And they just keep denying me. And I don't have as much time as I used to, to have children. And it's and my, my husband, he was not going to leave me, but I know he wants kids too. His personal rating is higher than mine. I just, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but the two options I see are improve your credit rating, or you could always apply to adopt one of those kids on Earth where their their parents have gone off to, to work and they never came back and now they need homes. Uh, that's how I ended up with my child, Gouda. Uh, I mean, it's very possible that that might work. It took like two years. It's time, though two years. I mean, I guess I, I, I'm just so sick of the, the constant, you know, it's, they're everywhere. They're all over the place. You don't really ever get used to it, huh? No. And, and I, I'm tired of it. I'm just, I'm, we have colonies now. We have space stations. The, the space station at Titan is huge. It, could, it can deal with more children. I, I get the history. I get it, but I'm just, I'm sick of it. Just, and then suddenly her face changes and she sits straight up and she looks at you and says, This interaction has been deemed inappropriate for discussion. Officer Tilly Goodman has been warned repeatedly about such conversations. In your best interest, Cactus, Tilly will immediately undergo reprogramming protocol. Please stand by. No, no, no. This was a good, this is a good productive conversation. This is how people grow through the, the, the problems that they try to solve. Uh, Tilly, Tilly. And he's going to like wave his hand over her face. Like, come on, come on. I, I know you can, are you, are you in there? About a minute goes by and you're waving your hand in front of her face and a small amount of nanite blood trickles from her nose. It's a dark purplish color. You've seen it before. And then she snaps out of it and she wakes up. Oh, Cactus, how are you? I'm holding like the tea I was going to get her. Oh, thank you. I, I don't remember asking for this, but I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Um, how, how are you feeling? Your, your heart rate is normal again. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I woke up. I, I mean, I, I, I got this message. We, we've been applying for a child and I got this message this morning and I guess it's just not for me. I just, it's one of those situations where, you know, I tried, I, I'm just not, I, I don't feel like I'm fit to be a parent at this point. So it may not ever happen. I'm, I'm going to wait for a little bit. Maybe if I work harder, it'll work out. Then over the intercom. Echo knows best. Tilly, I don't, I don't think that's the solution. Wow, are you here? Let, let me give you a, a tissue for your. Oh, thank you. My allergies up here in space for some reason are very, very bad. Can't imagine why. Yeah. You know, not a clue. Not a clue. So you feel okay? Oh, I seem to have a little blood, and I, I guess I got a bloody nose. It puts her head back. No, I feel fine. You know, I'm, I'm resolute in who I am and what I'm working to be. So it's, it's all good. 
Now, this is the point where I have you do a sanity check for yourself to make sure that you can handle the mental stress of seeing her basically taken over by the nanites that are in her and her being reprogrammed. 53, and my sanity is 60. So you're fine. Okay. Yeah. She just goes about, just talks to you about normal stuff as if the whole incident never happened. I am second guessing myself for the rest of the day. Like that wasn't, was that okay? No, I think I did the right thing. I don't feel very good about this. Right then over the intercom. Not all of us are meant to be parents, but all of us can help create a better world. Enjoying the show? Then take a moment to join our Patreon, support the podcast, and get early access to episodes and bonus content. Head to 12-Sided Stories Patreon today. Julia, you are in training with the other Space Marines. You guys are in a little fighting area with Skull and Hook. Uh, Those are their nicknames, Skull and (laughs) Hook. And you guys are whomping on each other as per regulations because you can't let your muscle density go at all. What do you think you all would be talking about? Well, I mean, probably giving each other, you know, critiques and pointers and trying to push each other harder. And you think you you think you hit well, my granny can hit better, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) So uh, why don't you give me a brawling roll? And let me know how you do on this next round of space jujitsu. Space jujitsu. Whatever C- Captain Kirk was doing with that karate chap all those years. <laughs> uh, 64 under by 75. Okay, so you lay Skull out. (laughs) Explain how you laid him out. He just comes at me with a right hook, and I duck it, I turn around, and I elbow him in the face. Okay, cool. That works. That does it. And then I laugh and laugh and laugh. (laughs) Right then, over the intercom. You do your best when you think of others. I wasn't expecting that. That's not cool at all. Like, I thought it, all right, fine. You know, get over it, you baby. And I help him up. (laughs) We don't even do like physical combat when we're out there. By the way, he's from California. And uh, like, this doesn't ever happen. Even 3,000 years in the future, there's Valley accent. Like, I don't agree with this at all. And Hook is just over there in the corner kind of laughing. She's like, you idiot. (laughs) Echo loves all their children. It's like if we're in a combat situation, you want to keep your left up, okay? You don't you don't want to like drop your guard. You guys train for a little bit and let's go over to the science station. What is our scientist doing right now? I think that Varia is going through the routine, analyzing the charts, readings that have come back from probes that got sent out the day before, trying to keep her head down a little bit, but keeping up a verbal running stream dream of what she's doing. It's like, okay, checking this must make sure, da-da-da-da-da. And like using that verbal stream to cover like every once in a while, just another task gets done that doesn't get verbalized. You're never alone. Mother Echo is always with you. Well, one of those tasks that you've been tasked with, Varia got a note 
a week or two ago, Tilly was asking if there was a way to get around the pregnancy protocols in order for her to get pregnant now. She smuggled on board specimens from her husband, and she was hoping that since you all are heading towards the Kyber Belt to do some research, that that far out, Echo's reach would not be as good, and you could possibly get her pregnant with the sample. I think a few of the tasks that I'm doing um, that I'm not vocalizing are reviewing projections for getting to the Kyber Bell, reviewing what the efficacy of nanite communication as we get further out so I can plot kind of a graph of a kind of drop off. Like how, how good are they? How far out do we need to be? Would it be possible? Such treasonous thoughts in your brain, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> but they're only thoughts. And all of the verbal and like, I'm I'm trying to like slip it in. Like these things that I'm doing, I'm trying to slip in along with like all these other great things that I'm doing. So that are all well and powerful and omniscient and with us always and always believes the best for us mother. Is none the wiser? Basically. So let's make a mathematics roll because that seems like the thing we need to do. Well, it's a statistical chart that we need to. <laughs> Luckily, you have the skill you need. 61 under my 71. Yeah, when you get just within a day or two of the Kyber Belt, the nanotechnology communication drops off like 75%. It is nowhere near the power that it should be. And you're not even sure if Echo even realizes it. There hasn't been a lot of things going on out here. There hasn't been a lot of exploration. There has been talk about mining. So Pluto is way out here right now, and there hasn't been much interest in going there or the rest of the belt. So yeah, it goes down quite a bit. It confirms your your theory that Echo is not all powerful. Blasphemy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a good way to get a nosebleed and, a, and, a, and an update. <laughs> Too many infractions lead to reprogramming. It's for your own good. So about midday, after all of this shenanigans have happened, a announcement from Captain Amir comes over the intercom, asking everyone to come to the briefing room for a message from Echo themselves. This happens every once in a while. It's usually an underling will give you guys debriefings or briefings for different mission goals. But sometimes Echo pops up and gives you directions on what they want you to do. As you all walk into the room, I want to talk about some of the other crewmates. There's, of course, Captain Amir waiting for you all to come in. He's a very straightforward person, toes the Echo line, making sure that everybody is compliant. But I think that he feels that that's a way to keep his crew safe everyone is compliant, then Echo is less likely to harm them. And the engineer, his name's Ricky. He's young. He has a last name, but he's Ricky. Nice kid, kind of dopey, you know, so everyone just says Ricky. 
the nurse uh, that helps you, Cactus, is Kesa and uh, is very competent at what she does. There's a second medic that works the night shift, Bishop, and then Crewmate Walker, which is a synthetic being, basically a robot. They have their own AI. Though they're hooked into the nanite world, they do not have nanites in them. Cool. They are nanite free. The thought is, is that robots will take direction without needing a direct line from Echo. This is hubris in a way, I guess, just. No, oh, yeah, seriously. Who, that, who said that was a good idea is literally wrong. <laughs> it is totally hubris. I, I could see though, from the point of view of someone like Echo, the machine is perfect. Right. Therefore, the machine will not cause errors. Yeah, the machine will will understand the programming and understand that the human race needs to be shepherded into the future as opposed to letting them continually fall into these bad ages that they keep going into. And also, how else to find companionship out of self but to create it? If you're positioning yourself as a god over people, at some point you have to start creating, you know, which goes back to the controlling of the birth rate. You're the one in charge of creation at that point. So, yeah, fun. So you crowd into the briefing room and Amir says Echo has said that they would like to speak with us. I guess there's a signal coming from Pluto, which is exciting. I mean, it's possible that there is uh, extraterrestrial life. Let's hear it from them. And on the screen is a shimmering, synthetic human face. Greetings, UWR Dragon Fox. We have a mission for you. There is a faint signal coming from Pluto. And since your vessel is the closest to scan and report on it, we wish for you to investigate. We are not sure... Not sure. We are confident that this could be the lost prison ship. Prison ship. We are confident that this could be an alien signal. Could be. Your mission is to scan where the signal is coming from and report back. Echo knows. Echo, we know. Good luck. Echo loves. And then the screen just goes blank and Amir kind of looks up and goes, uh, I don't quite know what to make of that. The signal doesn't come across as well as it should. It's so far away from us that it's, it's hard to make out exactly what's going on. And you can see Amir's face kind of does this weird twitch, you know, under pressure, he's usually very stable, you know, in command person. But when they start to talk like that, it throws him a bit. Because Echo is supposed to be all not just omniscient, but benevolent. And obviously, Echo does not know what the signal is. There has always been rumors of space vessels that are prisoner colonies where the people with the lowest ranking who are continually causing problems go if updating does not fix their issues. But those are just rumors, of course. So could this signal actually be extraterrestrial? Uh, sir? Yes, Cactus? Uh, are we equipped to apprehend people? 
We are a science ship. Yeah, I know. Every ship has Marines on it. I'm wondering. And and he kind of goes blank for a second, like he's listening to something. And then he comes back and he goes, I'm being told that there is a possibility that a prisoner ship was lost. And that if this is the prisoner ship, the prisoners are considered dangerous and need to be removed, not captured. I'm going to take it that we're going to be getting rid of them completely if we find them. Can I make a sanity roll? Because Cactus is not okay with that. (laughs) That's fine. Go right ahead. Anytime a player wants to make a sanity roll, I am perfectly okay with that. This is not your benevolent god. Oh, I'm above. What does that mean? So I fail? You failed if it's above. So what happens then is I roll a four-sided die because this is just going to be... Uh, you take two points. It's kind of like hit points. And you reduce. Now you have to make a, under that number from now on. So as you go down, it gets harder and harder to make sanity rolls as your ability to deal with reality shifts and lose your, basically your focus on what human reality is. Okay. Obviously it's not sitting well with you. I think so. uh, To take like a, to zoom the camera out a little bit, Cactus is a, like a dark skinned short man. He's got like a really nice fade, um, but he doesn't really take care of his beard or anything. It's kind of like scratchy and he's always kind of scratching his face. Now, like, he's got his hands kind of, like, scratching at his cheek, and you can see the sweat beads down the side of his face. Um, Captain, I'm, I'm not okay to take a, I, I can't, I can't do that. I'm supposed to save. You're not expected to take anyone's life. I mean, you're a medic. That's, it's not your job. I, I think what we should do is let's go into orbit above Pluto and we'll do a scan and we'll figure out what's down there. We'll make a decision at that point. I think Varia, if you're okay with this, I'm going to come up to Cactus and take their hand and, and just squeeze a little bit like, shh, just just kind of almost like a com- equal parts comfort and warning. They'll pick up on what you're putting down. Okay, okay. Th- thank you. Thank you. We will make a decision when we get there whether or not we need to do an apprehension. Um, I've never gotten anything like this. I mean, maybe it's because we're so far out. I don't know. Anyway, Tilly, plot a course and, and let's get this going. And so everybody breaks up. I kind of whispered a skull. So you said we never see combat? <laughs> Uh, I mean, come on. What kind of bunch of prisoners do? It's not combat. That's going to be boring. I mean, they're not going to be armed or anything. How do you know? (sighs) Come on. How many guns do they have on a prisoner ship? I mean, really? (laughs) The guards might have a few guns, but not a, you know, she'll be fine. Okay, Skull, I, I don't think there's a brain in your skull. Think about this. If the prisoners have gotten hold of the ship then they have gotten hold of the gun. We'll be fine. Maybe we'll just blow it up from orbit if it's on the if it's on the surface of the planet. That way we don't have to go down. Are you what are you scared? You chicken? Echo knows what they're doing. Don't don't bait me like that. I'm no, I'm not I'm not scared. Look, I'm I'm gonna get ready. You might want to get your gear on too. We're gonna be there soon enough. And he stomps off. <laughs> I just kind of look at Hook and roll my eyes. <laughs> Hook was already rolling her eyes before you were rolling. You guys were both in sync. As you were. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm gonna just fast forward to Pluto unless somebody has something they wanna do before. So does anybody have anything they wanna do before we fast forward to you guys taking orbit over the planet? I think I just want a scene of Cactus back in his office looking through the medical history of Tilly um, and like going over if like, if there's any part of the credit, like her credit rating that is public, um, he's just like going over her information. Like, okay, this this looks not great. This is all right. Um, wow, that's not good. Okay, okay, I'm gonna find a way. I'm going to be able to do this. And then like he stashes it away in the lower cabinet. Yeah, when you're looking through all of it, it's nothing major. There's just a lot of infractions that uh, she has gotten. Her husband's rating's actually a little higher, but basically talking ill of the system seems to be the thing that she does the most. And that causes her the most problems is that she gets upset with it. She gets frustrated. And you have found over the years that that is the one thing that does ding people the most is that they start getting upset and then they start getting dings from saying something about the system. I think that triggers a little bit of a memory. My husband often spoke ill of the system and eventually faced the ultimate price. So I resolve myself to do everything within my power to make sure Tilly will be okay. Okay. You do worry about the mind wipes. You've never seen one before. You have heard that it can happen. It does cause massive issues. So there is a fear of her humanity being ripped away from her completely over time. Uh, Anyone else before we get down there? I would just be making sure all my gear is, you know, ready, that everything is locked and loaded and (laughs) whatnot. I think I'm like really excited and I'm calculating the probabilities that we're actually meeting alien life rather than a prisoner ship. I really want it to be alien life and idly calculating the possibilities that alien life that could put out signals from this far out plus possibly like overriding nanites. (laughs) It's just (laughs) idle probabilities. None of them numbers. They don't mean anything. Yes, they don't mean anything. Numbers, 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 numbers. Four, four, four chocolate ice cream. Four, four, four chocolate ice cream. All right, so you guys get in orbit over Pluto and you start doing a planet-wide scan. Pluto is nowhere near the size of Earth, so the scanning does not take very long. The atmosphere is made mainly of methane and nitrogen. There's no oxygen at all, but it takes like around 250 years for one rotation around the sun and the further away Pluto gets from the sun the more that its atmosphere actually freezes so right now its atmosphere is frozen solid and there is a light amount of gravity so if you were a hundred pounds on Pluto you would actually weigh only eight pounds so if you're laden with gear and everything else the gravity is a lot less probably have your grab boots on and that kind of thing after the scan Tilly turns around from her console and says, Captain, there is a ship down there. uh, And the only reason I saw it is because we're doing an an optic scan as well. There's no heat signature. There's, There's nothing there that is indicating any sort of life at all. But it, it's it's there, but it's frozen in the ice as, as if it's been there for a while. And the captain kind of says, okay, what kind of ship is it? Tilly goes, it's, it's not one of ours. I, I don't know what, what kind of ship this is. I've never seen one before. 
I can't really make much out though because it's it, like I said, it's in the ice and it's been damaged. And he says out loud, uh, "Echo, did you read that? Did you did you hear that? Uh, how do you want us to proceed now?" Silence. There is no response from Echo. And after about a minute, someone who has talked to Echo or at least been supervised by Echo for most of their professional career takes a deep breath. Yes. Well, we're going to have to rely on ourselves. We need to figure out what we want to do next. Suggestions? And he looks at all of you. Well, we need to observe enough to actually be able to make a report. And this seems obvious that it is not one of our ships and it is something new and it's something broken. Therefore, it makes sense that we send down a uh, science and medical team to explore. I agree. I suggest you send us down for reconnaissance first to make sure that the situation is safe before we send down science and medical. I mean, the ship's encased in ice. What are we really worried about? I don't think we can do that anyway because the amount of resources that we have, I don't want to send down two ships separately. I, I understand your, I mean, I get it. You'll go in first, they'll wait for you. Julia, when you say it's all good, you're in charge. I mean, of the military aspect of this. Hook's, you know, got it all there, but Skull is a bit trigger happy and, and not the brightest. So uh, just keep him in line. Skull is standing in the room. <laughs> he's like, he's like I'm, I'm right here, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's like right next to Amir. I'm like, I'm like here, dude. Like, what's your problem? You guys go down to the surface, find out what's going on with that ship, report back, and we'll go from there, okay? Oh, and take Ricky with you just in case you need an engineer. Get all the data you can. Tilly, I want you to monitor the signal. And Tilly goes, yes, I, I've got it on now. It's it, it doesn't make any sense. It's coming from somewhere in the mountain next to that ship. Interesting. And I want you to see if you can reconnect with Echo, but I don't want you to... We want our resources to go towards the signal, which I'm sure is what Echo wants. Until he kind of gets this look on her face of like, okay, and then realizes what he's hinting at. And then Amir looks at you three and says, all right, be off, uh, good luck, and be in contact, make sure comms are open. Yes, Captain. All right. So you guys load into a dropship, which is nothing like the shuttles from Star Trek. This is having you all drop straight down to the planet's surface at a very high rate of speed in this can of doom. And Skull is in the corner yelling ah! as, as it's going all the way down. Super excited. I'm laughing the whole way down. <laughs> this is the best thing ever. Cactus has his fingers in his ears. Like, very is just like head, hands, eye. Like, what are the odds that somebody will shoot him? <laughs> <laughs> so you guys land. You have your suits on already. They're not like the Star Trek suits that are skin tight. They're bulkier so that if space debris or anything small, like a small meteorite or whatever, uh, the size of a pea can cause a lot of damage. So these suits are made to reflect that kind of stuff hitting you and, and all that good stuff. You have a large helmet over your head and then you have a breathing mask on. So if the suit is complicated, 
compromised, you're still getting air because uh, it's covering your nose and your mouth so that you're not getting anything out in the void coming in or being sucked out. That is the setup that you have. The doors open and our space marines, Julia and Hook and Skull, take lead and go out the door and disappear into the darkness because it's pretty goddamn dark out there. The sun is like a speck of light at this point. Luckily, the suits are temperature controlled, but you can see just how frozen everything is, how dark everything is, and there's no wind or air or sound besides your breathing into the mask. Julia, you, Skull, and Hook make your way out. You all get to the ship. The ship looks odd, but it has English writing on it. It seems to have large markings with a black nose section on the front. It almost looks like a space bus. It has a big fin on the end of it and two fins on the side. And it says the U.S. Majestic 12 on it. That's weird. I probably never would have heard of U.S. No, not at all. I wonder what that stands for. Are we just going to, like, like hang out here? Or are we going to go inside and, like, see what's in there? And Hook goes, would you shut up? So, I mean, I cautiously, like, I signal to them to t- kind of go around so we can find an entrance to this ship. You guys go around the sides, and you see one of the hatches has been broken open, and there are several drag marks and footprints that are in the ice. When you shine a light in, you notice that there's, there seems to be some people in there. Alive? Do you go in? I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> the GM would answer that question ever. Uh, yeah, I go in. How long have you been playing this game? <laughs> I'm new. <laughs> I know, like, so you walk up, and sure enough, there are about five people inside of this ship. There are two seats that are empty. There looks like there was a struggle. Helmets are missing from the people that are sitting there and they seem to have had the top portion of their head surgically removed and their brains are missing. And that's where they're going to stop this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much. I had so much fun with that. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. This is a two-parter, so I have to stop it on a cliffhanger. I think it's mandatory. Join us next week when we figure out the thrilling conclusion to our foray into the cosmic horror. I appreciate everybody listening. Let's find out where all these wonderful people are, where where you can find them online and all that good stuff. We will start with Pooja. Hello, I am Pooja. You can find me on Twitter at L A Daisy Girl. That's L A D E S I Girl. And pretty much everywhere else is forgotten saves. Um, if you like listening to me do the role-playing games, I am also on Happy Jacks RPG and occasionally on It's Probably OK's Twitch channel. Hey, I'm Michelle and you can find me on Twitter at Mishulu. That's M-I-C-H-U-L-H-U. You can also find uh, my music through Plate Mail Games on DriveThruRPG or BattleBards. Hello, hello. It is I, your busy bee. You can find me on Twitter as at B underscore Zelda. I am a podcaster, streamer, game designer, writer, content creator galore. So give me a follow to find out what the heck I'm doing. My name is Wes Otis. You can find me at Plate Mail Games. If you want to help out the podcast, you can follow us at 12 Sided Stories. That's the number 12 and then Sided Stories spelled out. Uh, you can check out our website, which is 12 Sided Stories 
fully written out. And uh, uh, you can also find us on Patreon, uh, where we do extra content and all these uh, really cool things. That's just 12 side stories as well. If you want to help out, but you can't really do the Patreon or, or whatever, uh, a good helping thing is giving us a shout out on social media or just leaving a review, throwing stars at people, at content creators is a wonderful thing. Specifically five stars. If you're going to do any <laughs> less, then just forget about the stars. <laughs> yeah, because you mess the rating up completely. Completely. True. True. <laughs> yeah, totally true. But we appreciate everybody who's listening and we hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.